about halfway through the week, Serena said to me, do you have a title for the service? And I, I didn't, but I just like prayed and I said, delighted or defeated. Um, and then as I watched the little bit of the Commonwealth Games yesterday, I saw, as many of you would have seen, that, that contrast, especially at the end of a netball game or a basketball game. I think there was two in a row where a team lost by one point. And you saw the absolute delight of people, but you also saw that absolute sense of defeat. Um, and I think there's a question that God wants to ask us today. Um, if he asks you, uh, you walk in the journey as one defeated or delighted. And uh, you can deal with him about the answer to that question. So I thought as I read the scripture this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. I invite you to stand. To honour the gift that this book is to us. To honour the gift that the Word of God is to us. God seeks to draw near to us and He's given us this so that we can know Him and delight in Him. May it always be precious to us. Thanks. It's on the screen, I think. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of but his, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf, leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. How blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated. What an amazing, amazing book the book of Psalms is. It's a wonderful collection of poetry and songs, and yes, I think we can call them hymns. Um, it's, it's sometimes called the hymn book of humanity. We don't have hymn books now, so maybe we should call it the playlist of humanity. It's just this wonderful collection, not just of songs or of poetry, but what it shows us is the heart of followers of God as they faced every situation you can imagine in life. You see the heart's response to a psalmist when, when the king is chasing him, trying to kill him. You see the heart response when... when um, the psalmist finds a cave and he feels safe in. And then the heart responds when he finds out the king has actually found out where the, where the, where the cave is. The heart response of, of a psalmist when he is in remorse over his, his sin and his transgression. The heart response of a psalmist when he says, I can't find God anywhere anymore. He's not answering my prayers. The heart response of a psalmist when he says, I'm living in a nation that is that is suffering the consequences of their disobedience and their ignoring of God. The heart response of the psalmist when he says, I can't keep this praise and worship in any longer. Every step of your journey, there's a heart response in here of a God follower. Not a list of do's and don'ts, but just what a God follower heart, how that, how that responds to it. It's probably... You know, if you asked a lot of people in the world who've never opened the Bible, if they knew of any Bible, any, any passage in the Bible, what do you think they'd say? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How beautiful. And it's a heart response, right? Because the psalmist has been there and you're there. And I imagine, I'd like to imagine, I know this didn't happen, but I'd like to imagine all these psalmists got together and they said, look, we've, God's given us he's a, this collection of 149 beautiful songs, beautiful hymns that just like cover the whole of life. Wherever anybody is in life, they can find a heart response of a God follower and be encouraged in that. So what can we write as a preface? What can we write as the forward? What can we make as the number one psalm? So there's not 149 psalms, but there's 150 psalms. What can we, what can we write as, as, as the first psalm that sort of covers everything, that underpins everything? And instead of the detail that follows, what's the umbrella that covers everything? This didn't happen, right? But I'm just imagining it might have happened. And they said, we'll start with two words. How blessed. That's what really counts as we go on this journey, to know that we are how blessed. They're two very important words. I mean, how isn't a question, is it? It's not like, how far is it from here to the door and some smart aleck will give you the answer. They're not looking for an answer to that how. They're just saying, this is a limitless word. It goes on forever and ever and ever. It's like that song that says, how great the Father's love for me, how vast beyond all measure. That's the how. You don't even try to see how this next word that follows, how big it is, how deep it is, how wide is it. You never will get there. How what? How blessed. Now, there's lots of words for blessed in the scriptures, um, and I read them all this week. No, I didn't. I cheated. I used the Strong's Concordance. And this word blessed is this lovely Hebrew word. Like, you know, when we say, I'm blessed, I, when Di and I talk about we're blessed by God's outrageous grace. He blesses us and blesses us and blesses us with stuff and with people and with opportunities. Oh, in China, my favourite word was privilege because I couldn't believe I was privileged to be in the middle of what I was doing and doing what I was doing. I was blessed. That's not this blessed. This blessed, and it's the companion word to the Greek blessed that Jesus used often in the Sermon on the Mount of Olives. It's a, blessed, it's a lovely word that means happiness, but it means happiness that is not affected by circumstances. We might call it a joy. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a temporary happiness, it's a permanent happiness. It's not a happiness that brings a smile to your dial or makes you burst out in laughter all the time because it's a happiness that not only survives but that carries you through those times where you've got nothing to laugh about. You've got nothing to smile about. It's not a fake happiness, it's a, it's a real solid God thing and it makes a difference to everything. And the psalmist goes on and says the secret to that. And you can imagine all the authors of self-help books, and their, their cupboards are full of them, that says, here's the secret to happiness. The psalmist is saying, here's the secret to not just happiness that disappears when the phone rings and it's a message from the school that something's gone wrong, or the letter comes from the bank manager, or you know the power goes off and you can't 
watch your favourite show on television, not that sort of happiness that disappears, but the secret to this happiness that is permanent, that is uncontaminated, that, that is just there and it, it affects your response to everything. It, respect, it affects your outlook to everything. He says, here's the formula. How blessed is the man who, whose delight is in the law of God and in his law he meditates day and night. The secret to this happiness is, is a delight in God, not in his laws, because his laws, the to-do list, comes out of his law, which is his nature, which is his character, which is in the words of the lawyer from the castle, it's the vibe of God. It's, it's delighting in who God is, in his character, in his nature, in his heart. It's being delight. God is a delightful God, and he says, you come and delight in me. You know, I, I learned as a kid that says, uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and you know, all will be well with you. And, and sometimes that desire to just spend time in this book is more like a discipline. That like God's, we think, well, I should read a chapter every day. I must, because Steve says, I must read a chapter every day. Well, that discipline's good, right? Discipline can be a good thing if it leads to what God wants it to be. Yeah, I'm going to be vulnerable and fess up to a, a crime that I've committed. And I'm not proud about this, but it sort of fits. Um, and I could excuse it, but, you know, the end, of, the end of the line is I broke the law a couple of times. Unfortunately, I broke the law during double demerit point times. <laughs> So I got this really nice letter from the, from the policeman saying, I don't, I didn't notice the colour. I know just the red cloud above my wife. So, um, but, and it said, you can either have three months off from driving, you can have a rest, you don't have to drive for three months, that's one gift, or you can have a year where you're on a good behaviour bond. I said to my wife, should I take the three months and you drive? She said, no, I can't drive with you in the car. <laughs> I said, well, you normally do. I'm just asking you to change seats. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like... And so I took the 12 months and I realised that all the policeman was asking me to do was to do what I'm meant to do. He's saying, you need some discipline, son. And over the next year, you learn to drive properly. And obey the law, as God wants you to do and we want you to do. And it's a false discipline. And out of that discipline, my hope and their hope, and my wife's prayer, is that then it will be just something I do because I want to do. Because I know it's the right thing to do. So maybe you need discipline to help you, to help you kickstart into this wonderful, wonderful book of reading it every day and just loving it. But before long, you will come to delight in it. Because you come to delight in God. And as you delight in that, what's the next bit say? This is the next bit. This is actually from the Passion Translation. <laughs> that wasn't on this thing. Oh. Anyway, the Passion, the passion Version. For those who delight in the word of God, their pleasure and passion 
is remaining true to the word of I am. Meditating day and night in his true revelation of light. They will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brook of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their lives. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Does that describe you? It doesn't describe me. But that's the promise of the book of God. This book that is not out of date, because God's not out of date. I was listening to an interview on the radio a couple of weeks ago, a, a bishop from the Northwest or something who was being grilled on why he had a particular view of something. And he said, well, it's, that's my understanding of what it says in God's word. And the, the radio person said, well, don't you understand then why people are turning away from the church because you're just basing it on an out-of-date manuscript. And he said, well, actually, I, I see that this book as God's word and God's not out of date, so I don't think his word's out of date. <laughs> this, this book is not out of date and that is, that is for today. That is the promise. God says, delight in me, guys, and your journey will be one of delight. You will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by the brook of bliss. doesn't mean it makes everything right. It just means that you're solid. You stand firm in the storm. It doesn't matter. And you don't have to produce fake fruit, right? You don't have to smile because you're meant to smile because you've got joy inside. Because not everything around you is happiness, right? But we don't produce fake fruit. Fake, fake fruit. I was, I was, last, last week uh, we took 30 of the kids out for an outing. That sounds easy, right? No. Okay. So we had the older kids. So these kids are between probably 12 and 26. Our, our, the children that we look after are from the age of very, very young um, to the oldest is 67. I call her Fang because she's only got one. Um, but she's a long way from the next one, about like 40 years apart. But, you know, we have these kids and we took them out for an outing. There's 30 of them. They all, they all live with some form of disability. Um, most of them, their mental age doesn't match their physical age. So we take, and each one's got a, has to have a carer. And they said, because of the boys that are going, Jeff, you have to go. They're demanding that you go. So you love that sort of thing, right? So... You go with them. We took them out. We went to a park and I saw this beautiful tree, so I took a photograph. No, I didn't. Before I took a photograph, I saw this kid smiling. Next slide. See, I just, I just love that image because it talks about delighting in the Word of God. Isn't that just like a, isn't that like a childlike, not childish, but a childlike response to the Word of God? Isn't that better than, oh gosh, I've got to read the Biden today? But to find delight in it and just uh, to, you know, just let this delight roll out when you recognize who God is and who you are in God. It's all in the book, guys. It's all in the book. Sorry, next slide. I did warn you, Adam, that I'd be like this. So I saw this beautiful tree, right? Lovely tree. And I thought, I think my wife likes trees like that. So I'd take a photograph. We actually went to this park with these 30 kids and 30 carers because of the blossom. And so I wasn't surprised to see a blossom tree. And then someone said to me, what are you taking a photo of that fake tree for? 
So I said, fake tree. I went up to the tree and the trunk was not fake. Believe me, it was not fake. But can you see that? The trunk wasn't fake. The branches wasn't fake. But someone has stapled every sprig of blossom to the jolly tree and the blossom is fake. Ripped off. But it's true. Like you can see it, right? We're like that sometimes. There's nothing fake about what God has done in us. There's nothing fake about, about the trunk or the branches. But sometimes we feel like there's pressure on us to like show some fruit and show some blossoms. So we staple, staple the blossom to our arms and we go, look at the fruit, look at the smile, look at the happiness. But inside we go, uh-huh. it shouldn't. I should be doing the fruit, so I better do it. But something's not quite right. I wonder if what's not quite right is not, you're not taking time to delight in God, to know God, to delight in Him. Because there's times when, I mean, the trouble is, those fake ones will last longer than the real ones. <laughs> um, and they'll be there. Oh, what are we in now? It was hot. So we're just coming out of winter into spring, but they'll leave them there all year round. Because <laughs> you can. But during seasons in their life, we don't look like we're bearing fruit. That's fine, that's the season. But the joy remains inside, right? Because that's the real thing. And out of that real thing we do, God does produce real fruit. I'm lost now, and I'm sorry, but keep going. What's next? Ah! Time to talk about the kids, I like that bit. Um, You know, we had three very different groups of people that I was working with that we mentioned before. We had a group of children, 160 kids in this centre and 100 in another centre that I visited for the first week. Um, Now, these kids have all one thing in common. Somewhere in their life, they were abandoned. That they were left in absolute poverty. Not just poverty of food, because they had no food, not clothes because they only had the rags they were wrapped in, not poverty of a place to sleep that night, the three markers of someone in poverty, but poverty of love, poverty of care, poverty of hope, poverty of opportunity, poverty of a future. They were left with nothing. Uh, little Juju, my friend, found him wrapped up in these rags just you know, on the side of the street. We, a couple of weeks ago, our team were, some of our team guys were coming home from lunch and they found a little baby next to the rubbish skip just outside our place. And before they could get help, that rubbish died. That, not the rubbish died, the baby died. But all the kids now living there were once abandoned without nothing, no hope at all. Um, and they all live with some form of di- disability. The other group was this mob of 20 uh, Wygwarans, uh, foreigners who've come from all around the world. They're, they're all really well-to-do. One guy told me, described his house as being next door to Buckingham Palace. Now, I don't know whether it's right next door, but that's wherever it is, somewhere near Buckingham Palace. It's not, you know, the poor side of town, is it? Um, he was well-to-do. He doesn't have to work. He's got, like, materially, he's really well off. A lot of them uh, were like that. A lot of them had, um, you know, careers. They had family, extended family they have all this stuff and they've just come from China for two weeks, right? So they've got a return ticket in their pocket to a place where you have something other than rice for dinner. And so, you know, that's one group. The other group, people who've been there, uh, they're long-term people. They've 
to, for them to follow Jesus meant turning the back on all the comforts of home and on their career and on their job prospects and on their family and on their marriage prospects and leaving all that behind and coming and living in China. Some of them, like Kyla, who's coming in September, as Steve mentioned, she's been there 17 years. Alison's been there 15 years. Some of you met her last June. They've been there a long time. Um, that's another group. Is that three groups? Yeah, group A, B, C. The kids, the short-term team, the long-term team. If I was to ask you, based on the information I've just given you, nothing else, who would, uh, which of those groups would you expect to display and distribute the most joy and happiness? Now, you know the answer, because otherwise I wouldn't be asking it if it wasn't this answer. But, you know, surely, if you looked at it from the point of view of these people and what they have and where they're going and what they've done, and the last two group, groups all know Jesus. Well, yeah, some of our short-term team didn't, but most of the others have a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus. The kids, I, I choose to believe that many of them do. They haven't uh, followed our evangelical model <laughs> that says read the four spiritual laws, put your hand up at a meeting, profess with your mouth, be baptised, but I have no other answer for those kids than the, the Spirit of God is active within them. Um, but which of those three groups would you expect to display and distribute the most amount of happiness and joy? The kids. Well, that's the right answer, but it's not actually, if you look at it logically and if you look at it on the way we live and the things we aim for and the things we try to gather around us for happiness, you would go, this group that got everything. But without a shadow of doubt, you're right, it is the kids. And Joel will tell you that when the team turns up on the first day and walks into this courtyard that's quite big and surrounded by the building and the kids are doing aerobics and aerobics are just dancing to this song. It was lovely because they've just started dancing to a song that says, I'm bruised, I'm broken. This is me. And you see these kids probably don't understand the words, but you, know, you see this lovely picture. They are bruised, they are broken, but this is them. And uh, you know the film, some of you. But you walk into that door and you just are hit by this wave of happiness and excitement, aren't you, Joel? And the team members, without doubt, are blown away. A team I led there in November, we had a guy on it who wasn't a believer. He's a slightly older chap. He had his life together. He wasn't going to be touched. You can tell at orientation, he had the barriers up. He wasn't going to be touched by anything. His wife was a believer. Uh, and, you know, we all shared why they came. And he said, oh, just, yeah, just to tick the box, really. I've done this. And he was not going to be touched by anything. He, was, he came with the armour on. And he, he walked into that place and I saw him and he sort of looked different. And, he, and that night at debrief, we go around the group and we always say, what was your highlight of the day? And he was the first or second one to speak and he said, I was just blown away. He said, I had to turn away because I was weeping. Because I couldn't understand how these kids had so much joy and happiness Probably didn't use the word joy. And like, I've got everything and these kids have got nothing and yet they were just having, their whole day was just so much fun. And it happened this time too. People are touched by the love and the joy in these, in these kids. And yet these bunch of believers who are a lovely group of people, but I want to tell you, they did cause me some of the greatest challenges because they had big problems, you know. One, one couple, their air conditioner didn't work one night, you know. Um, and they had massive problems. It was a bit hot and they had to work a bit hard, you know. And it destroyed their happiness. And you go, but Jesus lives in you. 
And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm counting myself in that group, right? Things that easily sort of sent me for a bit of a wobbly last time. And yet these guys know joy and happiness. Because when they come into ICC, they're like Tao who you've met before. You know, their eyes are dead and they're, they're like, they've, they've been dumped on the street, they've been found. Um, a lot of them get moved into ICC. This, this week while I was there, we took on seven new kids, which is awesome. And we moved seven children out to an apartment in the community, which is awesome to be there during that time. Um, and then we're already on to another girl. And this, uh, the last girl I took a photo in 2015, this girl I took a photo last week. And you know the answer. It's the same girl. It's the same girl. Look at her together. That's Tao Tao. And somewhere along the line, the next slide, somewhere along the line from moving, from moving into ICC and to this point, look at the transformation. It's a transformed life right on the screen there. And she just stuck to me like glue this time. And she is genuinely, knows genuine happiness. And there is 160 kids like that. I could tell you about Chusafway and Shaoshu uh, and Feifei and all, all, of these, all, all of these kids whose lives have just been transformed. But it wasn't because they moved into a new building. It's because they knew, moved into a new building and grabbed hold of all the opportunities that being in this new building afforded for them. They grabbed hold of what it meant to be in a family-type group. It's not family. They don't have their own mum and dad back or their brothers and sisters because in China you don't tend to have brothers and sisters. But they're, they're, you know, they've got a family of seven friends who cares for them and loves them. They've got opportunity to, to, to therapy and fun and education. And maybe, just maybe, there is something in my future for independent living that I, I would never have dreamed of. And they've grabbed hold of it. And now, every time I go up there, and it's last year I went seven times this year, there's probably another seven times planned. It's like the happiness and the joyfulness gets higher, but it gets deeper within them. Nothing can destroy it. Not even the air conditioner not working. I wonder if that's like us. I wonder, I wonder if the children in Henyang in China, we can learn off them today. Because there's a metaphor for us there, I think. Because what happens with us is Paul says, once you are dead, once you are outside the kingdom of God, once you are not citizens of the kingdom of God, and then something happens and you get moved into this new building. You get moved into the building that we call the kingdom of God. You get moved into this place where everything is different and the opportunities are endless. The opportunities for God to transform you into the person that he wants you to be who knows this joy that is deep, that is lasting, that no one can take away. You move into the building and it's there for you. But have we grabbed hold of all the opportunities that are there? Or have we gone in and gone, nice building this like it there's a lift and yeah it's safe and it's secure and look they think i'm important because they've moved me into this building called the kingdom of god and i'll just stay here yeah we know happiness occasionally that's pretty good maybe a bit more often than we used to but have we taken the opportunity that there is to delight in father god and in his law and to know that joy that is just not just happiness. Because the trouble is that we are surrounded by robbers of joy. Right, aren't we? Jesus said, and it's our key verse for ICC, um, 
There is one who comes to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and to give you more abundantly. And the more abundantly means delighting in Father God and know the delight of delighting in Father God. That's what Jesus wants for us. But there is an enemy who is out there trying to destroy that. Trying to, and there's robbers of joy. And the psalmist says, if we go back to Psalm 1, he says, Blessed is the man who not only delights in God, but I left out the middle bit, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. Now he's not saying, stay away from the community, just look at Jesus' life and, you, and his model, and you see that's not what he's saying at all. But he is saying, don't take your counsel, your advice on life matters from people who don't walk according to the way of God. But you know, there's robbers of joy that are inside us. Because Jesus says, that Paul's writing, say to us, often we need to die to these things in ourselves that are keeping us away from the delighting in God. It's called dying to self. Jesus said very clearly, you want to be my follower, you want to know this abundant life, deny yourself, die to self, take up your cross, follow me. I wanted to introduce you to a checklist because uh, when, I, when I preached, God reminded me again this week when I preached, I was going to get the sermon that I preached at another church a few weeks back because I thought, well, that's handy, that's prepared. But God said again, as he often does, now speak out of what I'm doing in you. <laughs> it's fresh, it's real. It may not be sleek and polished, maybe raw, and you may not have actually got it yet, but you're on this journey. And a couple of months ago, Anne gave me a, um, a checklist for um, what it means to die to self. And I was going to spend more time on this, but I'm not. I'm just going to give this to you as a gift and say, listen, guys, if you want to, if you want to know this joy and you're struggling with it, look inside yourself. Because this checklist, it went on average... I think my wife put it there. I noticed it went, it was taken down while I was away because I felt she thought, well, it only needs to be there when Jeff's here because he's the one who needs to read it. But, and there's just seven statements that you check against your life and say, is that me? Is that me? Does that describe me? And it's been very, very significant in my life. Even in China, vulnerability time again. Um, is, even in China, there was a time we lived the operate the orientation it had been stressful leading up to it it was a big thing I let it they finished they went out the door to get ready for dinner and one lady came back and said um, my co-leader said oh, you know that instruction that you gave was wrong you've got to find everybody bring them back in tell them put it right and I I didn't think it was wrong and I just <laughs> rolled up a little bit I wouldn't call it an explosion but I know that I was responding out of well look I've got more experience than you I know what I'm doing you're not doing I've done that before and I'm not what do you want me to do stop leading you know and um, was a bit stupid but she was very gracious and she walked out the door and I just felt defeated because I knew that something that I'd been working on with God had raised its ugly blooming head again <laughs> um, and that never used to happen I mean, me being defeated because that happened, but it was. And I was able to go to her and just straight away said, Look, I was speaking out of my brokenness. I recognise now I was speaking out of my brokenness and I responded. She said, oh, that's fine. Didn't notice, but I did. So anyway, this checklist, let me run past you very quickly. Um, when you are forgotten or neglected or purposely put down and you do not sting and hurt with the insult or the oversight, but your heart is happy, 
being counted worthy to suffer for Christ, that is dying to self. Next one, thanks. When you're good, hang on, let me just read it off here. When you're good is evil spoken of. When your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, your opinion ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rule in your heart or even defend yourself, but take it all in patience and love in silence, that's dying to self. When you, next, when you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity or any impunctuality or any annoyance, when you stand face to face with your waste, your folly, your extravagance, your spiritual insensibility or insensitivity and master it as Jesus mastered it, that's dying to self. When you are content with any offering, any raiment, any climate, like China, any society, any solitude, any interruption by the will of God, that is dying to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or to record your own good works or itch after commendation, when you can truly love to be unknown, that is dying to self. When you can see your brother have his needs met and can honestly rejoice with him in spirit, and feel no envy nor question God while your own needs are far greater and in more desperate circumstances, that is dying to self. When you can receive correction and reproof from one of less stature than yourself and can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment rising within, you, within your heart, that is dying to self. I flew through those, but... Within that is a lovely checklist that is quite painful and will lead you to do some work and say, well, am I delighted in God? And if I'm not, is one of these things being a, a robber of joy? Um, Serena's going to distribute that to the uh, Connect leaders. Um, so there's the opportunity for you and your Connect groups, if you're prepared to in, embrace the value of vulnerability, to um, work through those. Um, there are a few copies here, 20 or something, 30 copies here. If you would like to take one of those away with you, come down the front afterwards and just grab one off, off the seat. Um, but I would encourage you most of all to just find your delight in the Word of God. Can we just take a minute, um, and just in silence, just, just let God nail anything today that he's wanted to say to you. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. We're going to conclude with uh, our final song. If you'd like to stand and join with us, or you want to sit or kneel in reflection of what... Um, Jeff has just spoken about. Oh, I think I'm now coming through. Um, yeah, join with us in uh, song.
against me. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Who am I that the highest King would welcome me. Father, as you sing that song, I get that picture that Sarah had you just reaching down and picking up your child, 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 